0: Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Pro-abortion attacks. A reality TV star announces her miscarriage. Mainstream media calls it an abortion. We unpack this atrocious lie with the Charlotte Lozier Institute's Chuck Donovan. Pro-abortion Notre Dame, one of the most prestigious Catholic schools in the country, is hosting pro-abortion events thanks to its gender studies program organizers. But are Notre Dame alumni pleased? I speak out. Women Made New. We're joined by Kristalina Everett and Katherine Hadro to discuss their new book, Women Made New. This as some work to promote equity on International Women's Day. We discuss the truth about how equity impacts women. We kick off this week's show with some updates from the states, where it's becoming clearer each day which state's leaders are pro-life and which are not. In Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves has called for an extension of Medicaid coverage to provide more resources for new moms and babies. And in Massachusetts, one Democratic Party leader is calling for the deaths of children with disabilities because he thinks giving them medical care is too expensive. Joining me now for reaction is Chelsea Yeoman. She's the Texas State Director and National Legislative Advisor for Human Coalition. Chelsea, glad to have you back. Talk to me about this news out of Mississippi. What would extending Medicaid benefits for new moms do concretely to improve the first year of life for their little ones?
1: Yes, it's a huge benefit, and we're so grateful to the governor there for calling on the legislature to care for women in really what I would say is their most um, important medical season after having a child, 12 months after having a child. Um, This cares for women and loves women well, which we all know is the true foundation of the pro-life movement, is love for care for moms and their children. And this does things to help stabilize them medically, but also to serve them if they have postpartum depression or other complications that arise in the postpartum period.
0: Mm. Chelsea, I'm curious, are there other states that have effectively implemented the, the I'm sorry, implemented these Medicaid extensions?
1: Yes, the state of Texas tried to do that um, and is looking to do it again to expand that. And other several states are looking to expand care for pregnant mothers and mothers in need after they go on to have children. And it's predominantly Republican states, which may surprise you. Um, it surprised me a little bit. But to know that the pro-life movement really is whole life. Um, and there are 14 states that have programs designed to serve pregnant women in need. And we're in touch with um, about a half dozen other states who are looking to build up programs that don't currently have them for pregnant women. So it's the next um, move for everyone is to know if we care for pregnant women in need, they're likely to choose life, they're likely to have stabilized conditions um, and and be good parents at the end of the day. And that's what we all want to see in a post-Roe world.
0: Yeah, that's very encouraging. We're going to continue to track that. And shifting gears, in Massachusetts, a Democratic Party leader has suggested that It's cheaper to end the lives of babies with disabilities instead of providing them with the special care that they need throughout their lives. What do you make of this? I think it's important for everybody to know that these are eugenicist arguments. The root of
1: abortion is to eliminate and kill children, to kill poor children, to kill racial minority children, that those roots still exist and they're common today. I think that the abortion movement wants us to forget about that history, but it is not history. We hear these arguments all of the time. I heard it at the Texas legislature last fall. If children are considered to be not good enough for society, they're extinguishable. And those are arguments from the pro-life movement themselves we shouldn't forget this we should really be talking about this more more
0: often Mm. chelsea could you also give us an update on the pending case out of texas that has the potential to stop the sale of abortion pills nationwide we agree that these pills are just too dangerous to be on the market do we expect a decision from the district court soon on this
1: we do any day now the judge there can issue a decision to to issue a nationwide injunction or essentially stop the production of the abortion pill because the fda didn't follow common basic safety protocols and approving the drug. They were activists and politically motivated. And after decades, we've seen the harms to women. We at Human Coalition, we serve women in need every single day seeking abortion. And thousands of them report to us their complications with the medical abortion pill as they even have them in real time. We we filed a brief chronologically discussing those harms to women, that the pill is not safe and effective. It's actually dangerous and puts them in harm's way, not to mention the fact it kills a human child in the womb um, every single time. And so that bill uh, that has been filed in front of this court and we're
0: hopeful for um, a decision that's going to save lives. Yeah, hopeful for a decision soon on that. Chelsea Yeoman of Human Coalition, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Jessa Duggar Seawald of 19 Kids and Counting, a former hit reality show on TLC, recently announced the sad news that she suffered a miscarriage. To make matters worse, mainstream news outlets pounced, claiming she had an abortion. Some headlines about this story read Explaining Jessa Duggar Seawald's spontaneous abortion, the truth about GOP hypocrisy, Jessa Duggar's abortion, and Everyone refuses to admit Jessa Duggar had an abortion. Joining me now to help clear things up about this story is the president of the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Chuck Donovan. Chuck, it's great to see you. Everyone is saying Jessa Duggar Seawald had an abortion. What's the truth about this?
2: Well, the truth is that she's one of the many hundreds of thousands of women who, in the course of their lifetimes, will experience a spontaneous abortion or miscarriage, and there really is no medical confusion about it. What there is is political exploitation. Now, Prudence, I'll, I'll say that the Duggar family in general and and Mrs. Seawald in particular haven't been camera shy. They've told their stories, and she told her story here on YouTube. But that doesn't mean it's open season for anyone to say anything they would like, particularly when they have a motive of politically exploiting this to advance induced abortion, which is a totally different thing. Mm.
0: And what does it say, Chuck, about the media culture today that they're so fixated on pushing the pro-abortion agenda going so far as to lie and label miscarriages as abortions?
2: Well, it's sad, and the main thing, of course, is that it confuses the situation with respect to legislation around the sanctity of life. Mm. It demeans women who do experience, whether it's from an actual abortion or from miscarriage, there are definite emotional consequences that should be treated with respect. These women needed to be supported and uh, encouraged that these events are not their fault, uh, that happened to a a significant number of women, a significant percentage of pregnancies. But the saddest thing about it is that basically uh, we're sending a message that politics matters more than the Uh, difficult burden of sharing uh, which when women or men affected by miscarriage do that uh, they need our support they don't need to be dragged through the streets in an exhibition of partisan politics
0: right right and we've been discussing how this is a trend among abortion advocates not just in the media they're claiming that quote women are dying when they don't have access to abortion so how do we refute these claims
2: well we can only come back relentlessly with the facts about medical treatment, about there being exceptions for protection of the life of the mother uh, in the abortion context. You know, one of the uh, perhaps indirectly encouraging things about this is that exploitation like this by Parade Magazine and others really suggests that they're really having trouble dealing with the direct claims that abortion takes a human life. And induced abortion, intended feticide does that Uh, If they have good arguments, they're not making them. They're going off on these rabbit trails that are meant to confuse the situation. I think pro-lifers can say, look, it's it's sad that we have to refute these offbeat and off-track arguments. But it means the other side is having trouble squaring up with the fact that we all know that that's a human life in the womb. It's our next generation. It's our sons. It's our daughters. And they're worthy of our protection. So let's not exploit tragedies to try to make a point. I think Americans should agree on that.
0: Yeah, that's very encouraging insight. Thanks for pointing that out, Chuck. And thank you so much for joining us and for all that you do at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Talk to you later. Thank Thank you. you. Pro-abortion actor Chris Rock was brutally honest in his new Netflix comedy special about what people on his side of the abortion debate truly want. We're joined now by live-action's Christina Bennett for Reaction. Christina, thanks for joining me. Let's talk about Chris Rock, because what he said is just grotesque. Whether he knows it or not, he actually quoted Pope Francis, saying that abortion is the same thing as hiring a hitman. He then continued saying, quote, I believe you should have the right to kill as many babies as you want. Kill them all. Your reaction? Well, I don't think that he was
3: honestly saying that we should kill as many babies as we want, because then he goes on to say that we should be able to kill four-year-olds. And so I think that he was doing that for shock value. I do believe that he's pro-choice. I think the most honest thing he said was when he talked about his daughters and wanting them to have the choice to be able to, you know, have control over their body. But then he goes on to say that we should be able to kill as many babies as we want, and abortion is murder. And I think that he was doing that to possibly get people to understand the reality of what abortion is. He later on said, don't get it twisted, no matter what you think, abortion is murder. And so I personally think he may be conflicted about abortion, and perhaps you're seeing a bit of that in that comedy routine, where he supports it for his daughters, but he also understands it's murder and is wanting to talk about that.
0: That's some great insight. And in other news, over the weekend, live-action president Lila Rose's Twitter account was censored and deleted. It's since been restored, but Lila really got no explanation as to why the account was deleted in the first place. So does she plan to take any action to find out what happened here?
3: So you're absolutely right. It was deleted for 12 hours with no notification as to why it happened, only telling us that Twitter—somehow she violated a Twitter rule, and we're not even sure what that rule is. But there is action that we're taking right now. If you go to liveaction.org, we have a petition that we are— We are asking people to sign the petition, put their name on the petition, and we're sending it over to Twitter, to Elon Musk, to Big Tech, to let them know that
0: we are against pro-life censorship and that we will not stand for it. Mm. And Lila also had some strong words for Governor Gavin Newsom at this week's California March for Life, calling on him to repent for all of the abortions he has condoned in the state of California. Can you share with me any details from that state March for Life?
3: Yes. So the California March for Life, people gathered at the state capitol in Sacramento, hundreds of people gathered. that came from all over the the state of California. And as you said, Lila gave a really strong word. And that's because California, like my state of Connecticut, is a very pro-abortion state. They've enshrined abortion into their state law, allowing it up to birth, allowing it for any reason. And she spoke words of truth, calling for him to turn away from his wicked ways and the things that he's doing and to stand for life. And so many people gather that day because they also agree with that message. They want California to be a pro-life state,
0: not a state that allows abortion on demand up to birth. Christina Bennett of Live Action, thanks so much for all these important updates. And as always, thanks for joining us. God bless. You're welcome. God bless. EWTN News is partnering with Franciscan University of Steubenville this week to host a one-of-its-kind conference titled Journalism in a Post-Truth World. The conference, held March 10th and 11th, aims to answer questions about how to promote the truth in a culture of lies. What does it mean to be a journalist today? How do we combat bias in journalism? What is the role of social media in today's reporting? The conference will be held right here in Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible. You can register to attend in person or online at the link below. And joining me now is Andrea Pachati bayer who will be a panelist at the conference. She is also a legal analyst for EWTN. Andrea,
4: thanks so much for being here. Well, thanks. This is my inaugural debut. Yes, welcome Pro Life to Pro-Life Weekly. Life
0: Weekly. It's an honor, a true honor to have no, you. No, it's my honor. Yes. It's really mine. Well, okay, so talk to me about this conference that's coming up this weekend. You will be a panelist. Um, at a panel where they're going to be talking about social media and the impact of social media. What do you plan to discuss? You know, I think that
4: social media is really pushing the boundaries of Catholic reporting and of just modern journalism in general. Mm -hmm. We know that, especially our demographic, the young uh, Catholics are very active on different social media platforms, and it gives us a chance as Catholic journalists to share our message kind of very broad and wide to cast the net to say. Um, and and it, it, it does have some challenges, especially when it comes to ethics tone and being able to make sure that the truth does go out there in the midst of all this other noise that we find.
0: Right. And speaking of the truth, you know, social media has really become the place where a lot of people get their news, almost everyone. How do you think social media has impacted the honesty and and the clarity
4: of reporting? You know, I think it's a challenge. And I think that there are oftentimes people that are on social media as influencers who don't have the same formation and ethical guidance Mm. as um, your more traditional journalists, but it also allows a platform for pulling from different platforms, whether it's print, digital, video, audio. It's a really dynamic um, method of sharing and amplifying the message we've seen for example especially for the pro-life cause mm-hmm. that social media is an incredible instrument to be able to bring people together to be able to highlight and to be able to combat some of the deception that's out there um, around the issue of abortion and and support for women in need
0: right it's a tool and it can be used for good or for bad so we have to you know keep keep our eye on that uh, one final question Andrea you know when you look to the future how do you anticipate social media is going to change and
4: grow and how should Catholics be a part of that change you know it used to be that we thought that social media was an organic thing now I see social media use being much more um, structured calculated in order to make sure that we're connecting with our allies building community Mm -hmm. social media is never a substitute for building community in person, talking with people, mentoring people. It's oftentimes not the best way to give a fraternal correction a great point. to other Catholics, but it is a way to attract people who maybe hadn't thought about things, especially injecting our rich Catholic intellectual tradition into debates that really could benefit from it.
0: Mm. Well, this has been a great sneak peek for the conference this weekend. We're so excited to be there at the panel and to take it all in. So thank you so much for joining us, and. We'll see you this weekend.
4: Thanks, Prudence.
0: Coming up, a prestigious Catholic university hosts a pro-abortion conference featuring a speaker with abortion tools tattooed on their body. We have the details. And we speak with the authors of a new book geared towards women, encouraging them to turn their hardships and sufferings into life lessons. All of this after the break. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. The Catholic University of Notre Dame has defied church teaching on abortion by holding a series of, quote, reproductive justice events. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Some disturbing news from one of the largest Catholic universities in the country. Notre Dame's Gender Studies Program has organized a series of events promoting brutal abortions and transgender surgeries. The Sycamore Trust, a group of 18,000 Notre Dame alumni, has been critical of the events. Its leader saying that, quote, the Dobbs decision has opened up a severe fault line at the university. This isn't the first time the school's fault lines have shown abortion and other anti-Catholic teachings have been promoted at the school before. They once awarded former President Barack Obama, who favors extreme abortion policies, with an honorary degree. One of these abortion events even featured a speaker who claims to be a transgender man who has a tattoo of an abortion tool, glorifying the weapons that kill unborn children. This news is disgraceful. It begs the question, why are events like this even allowed to be held at a Catholic institution? All efforts should be made to cancel these events. And it should be made clear to the Gender Studies program that there is no place for pro-abortion propaganda at Notre Dame. Catholic schools are called to protect and defend human life. This week marks International Women's Day, and we have two exceptional women joining us for this week's Pro-Life Focus. Kristalina Everett is the author of a new book called Women Made New. The book combines the stories of 12 faith-filled women who provide insights from their own lives about facing adversity. One of those 12 women is EWTN's own Catherine Hadro, who contributed a chapter to this compelling book. And both of these ladies join me now. Kristalina Everett, founder of Women Made New Ministries and co-founder of the Chastity Project, and Catherine Hadro, the founding host and producer of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly and current EWTN News contributor. Ladies, it's an honor to have you join me today to talk about this book. Cristalina, I want to start with you. Talk to me about what inspired you to start the Women Made New ministry. Not only do you have this new book, but you've also hosted the EWTN Women Made New TV and radio program.
5: It actually stemmed from my own healing process that I went through, and there are so many women right now hurting, and they don't know what to do, and they think that they have to live that way, and just that's how it is, but it's not, and this book is full of overcomers all the contributors are amazing powerhouse women who have overcame adversity in their own lives and they have their own ministries that can help women out there if they're struggling with abortion if they've been raped if they've been sexually abused whatever their background is there is a chapter for you in there because God doesn't want us to stay in our wounds and our hurts but he wants us to overcome them and become strong women of God to help such a hurting world today
0: Mm, It's so exciting to see all of these women coming together. One of them is our very own Catherine Hadrow. She's with me in studio now. Catherine, talk to me about your chapter of the book. You talked about starting this show, Mm -hmm. Pro-Life Weekly, and how rewarding that was, but also the
6: challenges that it brought about in your life. Absolutely, and Prudence, I wonder if you can relate to what I'm going to share. I mean, when I launched EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, I really faced such vitriol and anger from people I knew from people I didn't know, from people online to people in my face. Mm -hmm. And I really think that speaks to the wounds in our culture and the unseen spiritual battle that's at play when it comes to abortion. But the lesson I had to learn really quickly is that when you discern what you believe God's will is for your life and when you're speaking the truth. Not everyone's going to be happy about it. In fact, there will be people who are angry about it. And this was hard for me as, you know, a self-proclaimed lifelong people pleaser. And I I think maybe there are others who can relate to that as well. I certainly can. You you know, I'm so used to making people happy, but to learn, oh, no, what's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other lords before you. Right, right you know, I realize, okay, I need to be focused on listening to God and His will. If that means speaking truth and making other people angry, I need to be okay with that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and crystalina we are, you know, meeting together on International Women's Day. And the truth is, many of the people who promote this day are not actually in the business of promoting what's best for women. For example, the theme of this year's International Women's Day, according to many, is embrace equity. But should women really be considered equal to men?
5: You know, it's really not about being equal, right? I think women need to kind of just step back and kind of have some self-reflection. And Women Made New Ministries is all about women helping women. Women need to come together now and build each other up and build a culture of life and uh, support one another. And all too often, it seems that we work against each other and ripping each other apart. But there is a seat at the table, in God's table for everybody. And God is calling all women right now. And I want this to be an invitation. No matter what your past is that jesus is calling you to something new something higher something um worthy of giving your life to and just maybe taking a sobering look and self-reflection at what's going on in your own life and maybe face it own it heal it and it doesn't matter who you are where you've been or what you've done All that matters is where you go from here, and not to get too caught up in the worldly nonsense that they're putting on a silver platter for us today. Mm
0: -hmm. And Crystalina and Catherine, I'd love to get quickly from each of you just a little bit of a reflection about what Women Made New can do when it comes to combating the lies of the culture and what it can teach us about the true nature of women. Crystalina, I'll start with you.
5: Honestly, women individually are like, well, what can we do? There's so much coming at us right now and there's so much coming at the culture that the biggest thing women can do right now is to foster a relationship with Jesus and do exactly whatever it is he's telling you in your heart. If you haven't been to confession, to confession if you need to break up with that boyfriend break up with that boyfriend if you have some sort of addiction or social media and it's too much stop it and see what god is trying to say to you give yourself silence in this noise Mm. and go in front of jesus and see what it is he is asking you and you it'll be transforming and life-changing
6: so insightful Catherine. anything to add before we go yes just to reiterate that we as women of course we have equal dignity as man But we are not identical. We have gifts that are unique to us and the feminine genius. And by the way, in this book, Women May New, Crystalina did a beautiful job of showing the beautiful diversity of the feminine genius. There are women from all different seasons and walks of life. So just to echo what Crystalina said, to discern what is your unique gift, your unique calling, you can only hear that from God. So receive the sacraments, go to God.
0: Amen. Well, I'm so excited to dig into this book more. Crystalina Everett and Catherine Hadro. congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing pro at EWTN.com. we love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.